Welcome back to season two of The Wrong Place at the Right Time. I know some of you are saying, why should you have even done season number one? <laughs> yeah. So why compound the problem? But for those of you that do want it, here's another season full of stories and some. we got some new music, some new uh, spaghetti Western music, and we're going to play that for you right now. Hit it. episode, Brad and I are going to talk about season two, give you a little look ahead, and then also we're going to add some bonus material that didn't make it into season one, but it's a good story and a good uh, history on a lot of the other stories. So I hope you enjoy. Because the first season had so many thousands of responses <laughs> for another season, we're going to do it again. It's amazing that you can get responses even when you're not on social media. They just come pouring <laughs> in through the air and through the mail. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and in our dreams. <laughs> um, so, meet Dan Zezvorka. Uh Dan, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so we're going to fumble through this. We're going to give our right shot. We'll get it right on the da, 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 third da, or fourth da, or fifth da, try. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, so so welcome to a second season of Wrong Place, Right Time. And uh, with, our, with, our, with our storyteller, our speaker, Dan Zazvorka. Uh, and if you don't know Dan, Dan is, uh, how would we describe Dan? Dan is a jack of all trades. He's uh, kind of a, he's kind of an amalgam of little blue collar, little white collar. He's an ordained Presbyterian pastor and a, uh, I would call him a spiritual adventurer. He's definitely a storyteller, which is why we're doing this podcast to uh, uh, chronicle uh, the story is that Dan has an uncanny ability to uh, remember and recall. Um, he often approaches his stories with a with a, a prophetic style of teaching. Dan is a God lover, and he wants his life to look like um, Jesus, like Jesus' life. Um, you'll find in this podcast that 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 Dan that we don't use what we call like churchy jargon, um, jargon, jargon, yeah. jargon, nice. jargon, yeah. jargon, jargon. I would have said jargon. Is it jargon? 
I don't know. I'm used to jargon. jargon. Yeah. But maybe jargon is the right way to say it. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've always said jargon. Stop using that jargon. Jargon. (laughs) I've mispronounced this word my entire life. I don't know. How many people have laughed at me? I am not the best pronunciator of words. That's for sure. So Dan's Dan's stories come out of really of his his relationships uh, with people. And um, and with God, you can drink your coffee. <laughs> Brad's like not sure when to drink his coffee, when not to, how it'll affect uh, the podcast. Slurping you Brad, slurp, yeah, slurping Brad, slurp loudly, please. Let's see if that comes oh, out. Man. All right, nice. Actually, we could just throw in a little thing here. So people, somebody asked one of our two listeners. Asked about the cover art. Um, yes, uh, it's something that I did uh, in Denver under a light rail tra- uh, track, the light rail bridge. Uh, this is uh, a person hanging in the middle of a bunch of homeless signs. And these homeless signs were something that I got in my class, my high school class, Brad, where I had an assignment that my students had to go out and buy a homeless sign, but that wasn't the big part of the assignment was simply it was to get them to initiate contact with a homeless person. They were to ask their name and we'd write the name on the back or on the bottom of the sign. And then they were to ask them their story. And it was fantastic. Uh, What a great assignment for them because many of them spent 15, 20 30, even an hour. I know one guy spent an hour and a half talking to homeless people about their story and and just learned immensely that people have different stories that are living on the street. And so anyway, I would collect those signs in my classroom and I hung them around the top rim of my classroom. I had quite a few, probably over 50 signs, maybe. I remember that period. Yeah. yeah. You and I used to, uh, I used to meet you in the mornings once a week. And I remember the the homeless signs all over your, your classroom. Yeah. And yeah. They're, they're all different. They're all asking for different things. And so I took, uh, when I left teaching high school, I took all the signs with me. And I always had this thought that I would do this art project of putting up all the signs in some random place uh, out in the world. And um, and then uh, we did what we called a Stations of the Cross, which was a very creative way to kind of talk about Jesus's death, crucifixion, and resurrection. But each uh, um, uh, group of my students had their own little booth that they created an art uh, project or an installation in. And each of these booths kind of told a story and all of them together told the story of Easter week. And one of my students made this uh, this dummy that looked like Jesus because they were hanging it on a cross. And after the Stations of the Cross was over, I asked her, can I have that? Uh, I hate calling it a dummy. It seems weird, but <laughs> could I have that dummy? And she said, sure. And so she gave it to me and I thought this would be I would combine my homeless signs with this uh, portrayal of kind of a Jesus figure hanging in the middle of them and just thought it would be a really powerful uh, piece of art. 
I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to say with it, but I think it says a lot of things, and I like that. And yeah, I'm looking at the sign right now. I'm looking at the piece of art. We're looking at it together. Mm -hmm. I've never looked at it closely, but it's uh, yeah. If, if the listener, if you have a, if you have an opportunity to go back and look at that piece of art, it's pretty amazing. It's uh, uh, just a rendition of different signs that. You know, people on the people on the street that are um, that we see on the street corners, homeless folks, uh, stuff that they put on those signs. It's amazing. Yeah, it's very and, powerful. It's uh, and they're all they're all real signs, as far as I know. There might have been one or two students that wrote up a fake sign to to get by with the assignment, but I think most of them are actually uh, real people. Um, we put their names on there. I don't know if we can read some of those from there. Yeah. Um, but it also fits the theme of our podcast, really. Um, the wrong place at the right time. Yeah. And a hundred percent fits our theme. Exactly. And that's, I, and I think that's why one of the things I wanted it for in terms of the podcast, I want to show you Brad and people will see this when they see season two. I want to show you that my version of season two's cover art now, also, I just before that I want to talk about. I did put it, put it in red, white, and blue. I I don't know why I did that. Not because I'm necessarily a very patriotic person, but I just thought that's in the context of United the United States of America that this my stories happen. That this, although a lot of it's in the context of Mexico, also. Let me show you, and I kind of kept the same red, white, and blue theme on the new cover art. But this is my thought for season two coming up here. Oh, gosh, yeah. So it's it looks very similar, but it's a different picture. Uh, it's me rowing. So you put those colors in. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so I did all the – I tried to make it look very similar to the other one. It does. It fits. And so that's season two, me rowing in the middle of a storm. Actually, it's a storm at, at Lake Powell. Uh, it was one of the few times that I went there with my family and my daughter, Jamie. Uh, this thunderstorm just came up out of nowhere, and, and I needed to get the boat back to the dock because we were just playing on the beach. And it just wind whipped up and the waves whipped up, and it looked really like crazy. And I'm like, oh, I got to get the boat. I got to row it over to the dock. And as I was, as I was rowing it over toward the dock, my my daughter, who's a great photographer, she uh, snapped this picture. Is there a wrong place at the right time story with this? Or no? uh, well, it's probably the wrong place for me to be without a, a life vest in, the, in my little boat in the middle of a storm. But if I were to lose that boat in the storm, yeah. I would be so devastated simply because it has so many uh, memories with it for me, so much, so much of my life and so much of my spiritual life has happened in that boat. In that little boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's like this, it's the center of uh, a lot of times maybe I'm in the wrong place in the boat, but it's, the, it's very much the right time for me.
I used to live in San Francisco with my family. We were part of a, an intentional Christian community, and uh, we lived in some these different row houses in the Mission District of San Francisco. And one day they said, oh, over at this other house, uh, wasn't one of ours, but somebody else we knew, they're going to have a concert on the roof. Uh, there's this guy coming, he's going to play the guitar, he's semi-famous, uh, it's going to be this neat concert over there. And so... Uh, I'm like, oh, I, I want to go to that. And it was maybe three blocks away. And I, and I, I had been to that house once before, and I knew where it was. And so I run over there because it's going to happen in no time. And so I ran the few blocks over there, and I get to the street where the houses are. And there's, there's several houses that look very similar and almost look the same to the house that the concert's in. And I'm like, oh, I know it's this one. And so... Um, I run up and I, cause I know, I think everybody's on the roof. So I'm going to go, it's three story house. And, uh, I run up, open the door and I run in and I'm running in and, uh, okay. It looks a little different, but this is the house. And I, I go to the stairway and I start running up the stairway. I get to the second floor and a lot of these houses are kind of just rented by the room to people, some of them. But I, 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 on the second floor, there's this guy standing there with this woman. They're kind of standing in the hallway, and the guy has actually has like a parrot on his shoulder, which is really weird. And I just kind of I run by him and say, "I'm going to the concert on on the roof," and they just kind of staring at me, aghast. You know, they don't they didn't say anything, and I run to the next level and I run up the stairs, and I basically get to the third floor of this house. And it hits me. Uh, I'm in, I'm not in the right house. This this is somebody else's house, and I have no idea who lives there and who it is. And and I I oh so you're, I, you're you're inside of somebody's I'm inside home? somebody else's house, and I'm on the third. I'm going on the third floor of this house, and and so then I'm like, oh god, this is not the right house. And so I turn around and I kind of I'm go down the stairs and those people are still standing there and they have not said a word. They're just looking at me like, who are you? And I walk by them and say, Oh, I, there's a concert, but I think it's a few houses down. <laughs> and I slide my way and run back down the stairs and run out of the house and go back on the street. And, and I look at the houses and there's another one that looks very similar. And so I'm like, okay, that's gotta be it. So I run up the stairs and I run in and sure enough, that is the house and I make it up to the roof of the concert. But I think I feel that way a lot of times in life that somehow I end up in somewhere. I know it's the right time for something really good to happen. And I know that maybe God wants to do something or in me or something valuable can happen in this time. And, but I'm, I'm in the wrong place mm -hmm. and it, it, mm -hmm. Who knows what uh, story those guys tell up they oh, with the God. parrot on their shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know. <laughs> well, it makes me, it makes me think because you've thought a lot about this wrong place at, at, at the right time mm -hmm. idea. What are some of the, what are some of the early memories you have growing up? Do you have a couple of stories that you can tell us um, that come to mind? Mm -hmm. Where as you reflect back, you realize 
as wrong as it felt at the time, you see that it was the right place. Can you recall a couple of stories or one story where yeah. that happened? Yeah, I think, well, I, I think, yeah, our early life really forms us and makes us who we are. And, and for me, uh, my early life was pretty traumatic. Uh, not like a lot of people, uh, my parents, were separated early on. I was maybe three years old. Uh, I don't have a memory of being with both of my parents and my brother and sister in our house uh, ever. Um, and my dad and my mom, a uh, lot of stories with her later on, probably I'll tell, but she was uh, what, what was called manic depressive back then. And so she had lot of mental issues going on and uh anyway we ended up with my living with my father um and he just was constantly seemed to me constantly angry um i don't know about he was uh from he was a an immigrant from czechoslovakia who had escaped communism and here in the united states uh had ended up with this life that I think he thought maybe he should be really uh, happy and everything should go well in America, but it didn't go well for him. And he was very angry. And so for me, uh, being in the, if a house with an angry father and no mother, um, it seemed a lot of times like uh, was the wrong place uh, because my father just uh, often took his anger out on me. My dad would say, God damn it, Danny, Jesus Christ. And I, but I knew nothing. Uh, I knew nothing about God. I knew nothing about Jesus. I just, these were words for me, but I, uh, they were associated with who I was, you know. And um, it was often, God damn it, Jesus Christ. Uh, God damn it, Danny, you stupid idiot, uh, Jesus Christ. And so for me, I, I was, I felt very, my, very stupid, very much of an, a burden to my father and very much of a, a dumb person as I was growing up. Well, and then one, uh, when I was about eight, we lived in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and my father took us to see the movie The Greatest Story Ever Told. He was not uh, religious. He was not a Christian. He was uh, anything but, mm -hmm. and I have no, to this day, my, since my father's dead, I have no, uh, idea why he would, why he did that. Somebody gave him the tickets or he thought it was, had a lot of really famous stars in that movie. So early 1960s. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and I was about eight years old. So I think it was about middle sixties. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he took us, and I sat there watching this movie about Jesus. And I was like, who, what, why is my father angry at this guy? Why is he associated with me in my father's speech? And I just, I couldn't believe it because I'm watching the movie and he's, he's healing people. He's, he's telling people the truth. He, uh, he's gentle with, women in the movie and with in different scenes. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile it. So for me, uh, it was like 
this is all wrong. This is this doesn't make any sense to me. But it was absolutely the right time for me to be there because uh, it was the first time I had, had experienced anything of this uh, world of Jesus. Uh, however, I since I couldn't reconcile it and I, I needed it to be neater for me as a kid, I couldn't deal with the tension. As I walked out of the movies with my brother and sister and my dad, uh, I remember walking across the parking lot and thinking inside my head, okay, this movie's titled The Greatest Story Ever Told. And stories as I know them as an eight-year-old kid are things that are made up. They're not true. Mm-hmm. So this is the greatest made-up thing that anybody's, this is the greatest story anybody's ever made up that's that's from their imagination. And and that's where I sat, that's where it stood with me for a lot of, for probably uh, four more, five more years, uh, just thinking it's a made-up story. Mm-hmm. And so in some sense, I was in the wrong place. No one should be calling a, a child, you stupid idiot. No one should be abusing a child in ways on a daily basis. That that just is the wrong place for a child to be. And yet it is it it was the right time for me to be. And whatever I experienced was forming me and making me who I am today and enabling me to to become like the person I saw in that movie, like Jesus. Do you think that as you as you look back and as you've thought about it over the years, um, are there some other ways that you think this the 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 movie that you saw that day? Um, how would you say that? How would you say that that was, uh, or was it seminal in in what you later began to believe was true? How did how did the the fiction story evolve into something that you realized was actually true? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a long story uh, that develops as my father married my stepmom, who was uh, a church-going Christian, and then them make uh, forcing me and my brother and sister to start going to church, even though my dad didn't. That's a, that's a whole story, but one really kind of interesting thing that I've discovered later in life about the movie and all of that is before uh, Glen uh, Canyon was dammed up, the Glen Canyon Dam, and formed Lake Powell, uh, these canyons in the desert were used to film that movie. Mm. And that movie uh, was filmed in the, the canyons and and valleys and and cliffs and everything of Lake Powell before it was filled up. Um, And for the last 30 years, Lake Powell has been monumentally important to me as a place of silence and prayer. I've gone there almost every year. Yeah, it's your personal retreat. It's my personal retreat. It's, It's a place that, for me, really where I connect with God. And I had no idea for a lot of years that there was that weird connection between that movie being filmed there and me first discovering about Jesus in Lake Powell, in a sense, and then as an adult returning there year after year to have my peace and quiet for for my my ten days each each summer of 
of prayer and meditation and just living with God there. And it's kind of a strange connection of, it was just a, a place that I shouldn't have been as a kid. It didn't make sense. My father bringing me there to watch this movie. It didn't make sense that I should have discovered Jesus in that way. It's we're still weird to me, but now it's, it was certainly the right time. Mm. And it's certainly my time with God. That's most precious. Often it happens in the same place they filmed the movie, that's which incredible. is yeah. very weird yeah. connection there with that. that is yeah. It became, story. yeah, it's become, and now it's, it's become the really the right place for me. Uh, when I die, I've told my kids when I die and if they cremate me, uh, I want all of my ashes to be buried in this desert out in the middle of nowhere where I go in Lake Powell, where other people don't go. I just want to be all right there. Mm. And uh, so it's become, it's become the right place. Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, in, in later in life, you learn, you learn that, that the greatest story ever told film was made in, in the exact vicinity where your most intimate times with God, some of your most intimate times with God were played out. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's, it goes from movie to real life, you know, and I've, uh, when I am the most anxious and stressed, my mind goes to times of prayer and times of connection that I've had with God in Lake Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since I've known you, I've known, I, you know, I know you're there for a couple of weeks every year, every year. Yeah. Well, that might be a good place to, that might be a good place to end this first go round with, with the podcast. Okay. And you can edit out whatever. Yeah. We'll see how this, we'll see how this goes. And, uh, hopefully, uh, this is meaningful to somebody else out there and, Hopefully uh, this is helpful. I know this will be great for Johnny and Evan, my grandkids, you guys listening to this, hopefully in the future and uh, sharing with you. And we'll continue this conversation, Brad and I, see where else, uh, what else being in the wrong place at the right time uh, looks like. Dan, thanks so much for sharing your story. Um, We've got, I should say, you have an endless list of stories because in my mind, and I think, uh, I think the listening audience will also see this, you're a storyteller and, uh, you have a, you have a way of, uh, relating the stories in your life to, um, in a way that, that help us understand you better, but also understand God better. And, and some of his, uh, what I call topsy-turvy ways that, that, <laughs> right. that he gets through to us that don't yeah. make sense at the time. Yeah. But a lot of times in hindsight, you realize it was, it was, uh, it was what he used to help us grow and to help us communicate him better. So until next time, uh, wrong place at the right time. Thanks, Dan. And we'll end with that today. Yep. Cue the music. Cue All the right. music. <laughs>